La Galerie Louise, an artistic statement, a novella, a confession. Written by Batsheva Ross. Read by Ella de Burka. Chapter 3 She sits there on the high chair, a docile woman surrounded by her shopping bags, examining me with suspicion. I drag another high chair over and sit in front of her. As I promised her before, I am now granting her the pleasure of my stare. I smile at her. She smiles back. My smile is full of confidence and reassurance. Her smile is now a bit perplexed. The situation is a bit intimidating for her. The calmness of this moment is the polar opposite of the enthusiastic tone I had before. What's your name? I ask her. It's a new phase in our relationship. I am now a caretaker of some sort. She will need to surrender and let go in order to enjoy this moment with me. I study her as if I was about to paint her. I give her the same generous gaze that an artist would give their subject. This gaze means, you are interesting. So interesting that I'm focusing solely on you. You and your face. There is something to reveal in you. Don't we all love to be objectified within the gaze of someone else? A gaze that unites us in a way that we cannot conceive of ourselves because we cannot get out of ourselves. I detect in my customer's expression hints of contradictory emotions. She trusts me now a bit, or at least she wants to trust me. I had managed to manoeuvre her into purchasing products in just a few moments and in such a slick way, out of the blue, with no premeditation on her behalf. Therefore, she reasons, I surely must have some unique abilities to read her and understand her needs. Yet, a gleam shines in her eyes and I know that right now she is calculating how much money is currently left in her bank account, repeating to herself a sentence she promises to spill out at the right moment. Sorry, you're very kind, but I've bought enough for today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really. And then she will finally leave the store. Hopefully she will be strong enough to actually do so. Captured by my scrutinising eyes, she wants to look her best. Am I going to see the pimple in the corner of her chin that's hidden with makeup? Of course I will. Will I see her wrinkles, her expanded pores, the pigmentation spots at the side of her cheek, or worse, 
Will I notice that she's had Botox recently? While we meditate together for these few eternal seconds, while her mind is concerned with these petty little thoughts, mine is on a totally different track. My customer is in her own thoughts and fears regarding the situation and my powers and does not realise that my self-confidence is just a facade. I am masking unassured grounds and trying to carefully weigh up my options. How, I wonder, am I to stir this situation so as to keep the successful flow of her submission to my sales? Since, of course, this situation has unavoidable implications on my own salary and bank account. Up until this moment of our encounter, I have followed a clear and impersonal trajectory along a sales scheme, which I've developed over time and used to lure most female customers into the shop. But from this point onwards, there is a need to build a personalised sales strategy based on the particular circumstances of each of my specific prey. The moment when the customer is cornered in her seating position and waiting for the application of the facial products is a moment for examining her very carefully. A moment of imaginatively drawing the contour lines that divine the individual in front of me. In what mood is the customer I am dealing with today? What emotion should I evoke in order to ensure that this woman really cooperates? I try to calculate and guess the age of each woman, figure out her lifestyle and, most importantly, understand what her socio-economic status is so I know approximately how much she would be willing to pay for the facial care I present her. Then I'll promise that it will solve all her problems. I need to invent a narrative for each and every face I see. These are the moments in which I glean details. For now, let me put aside the docile woman and spread out for you a collection of sketches from various days, displaying different personas in the spotlight of these high chair moments. For example, a woman with a tired look sits before me. While gazing at her, I pretend in my mind that I am Alice Neal in front of a canvas, dissecting with brush strokes this woman's face to various shades of pastel. Her eyes drop shades of green and blue on the upper parts of her pale peach cheeks. The shadow of her nose reveals a grey undertone of her whole complexion. I suspect she works in IT. I imagine she sits for hours in front of her computer, allowing the dominant fluorescent light projected from the screen to reflect on the darkness of her pupils, to water the whiteness of her eyes with foreigner blues to suck the tones from her once-coloured outfit. She is not the type for self-indulgence, I make a mental note. The mirrors in her house take a secondary stand to the screens in her life. I need to focus on one or two products with this type, not more. Otherwise I'll be missing the point with her and won't be able to draw her into my selling scheme. And here comes a congenial Flemish woman who likes to drink and party. Yes. She sits here now. Although in her fifties, the lady could be Picasso's Dora Maar in another life. Glossy leather pencil skirt hugs her crossed thighs tightly. A stroke of chalky mascara cakes her eyelashes, 
crumbles around and settles down on the cracked skin surrounding her eyes. She pretends to be a level-headed adult, but I see her. When she opens her mouth to tell me her name, I smell the breath of a moderate smoker. I can sense her temper, her passion for extremes at the expense of her solid future of her skin, the reddish veins flooding on her cheeks and nose, the small tear sacs under her eyes. All these small hints give her away. She has had the seize-the-moment approach to life for years. Hmm. There is a black facial mask for this kind of temper. Traditionally, it promises to help for the blood flow and unification of the skin. Here, it would mainly suit this woman's lack of structure. She will only need to treat herself once every two weeks. Ten minutes of relaxation, a meditation with her eyes closed and my sticky mask on her face will do wonders for her bad conscience. On another day, appears in the store a very young lady with glittering oversized headphones. They make her look like a Takashi Murakami fantasy. Too slick and shiny to be touched, like a product of some sort that still hasn't been peeled from its plastic covers. Now she is sitting on the high chair in my store with a real Louis Vuitton bag placed proudly on the soft skin of her knees. Daddy, or sugar daddy, got her the bag for her birthday, I assume. She has placed another purse on the floor next to the high chair, aside from all the other shopping bags. In this stylish purse sits a tiny shivering chihuahua with round big eyes that constantly follow the girl's every move. I try to pet it but it looks at me as if I'm the devil. This young girl's tan is faultless. Her sneakers are spotless. She has everything intact but because she is trapped at an age in which her beauty is a commodity she is still searching for the perfection. At this stage in her life, cosmetics are a top priority. Truth be told, she doesn't really need money. Perhaps a soft exfoliator since she has a weakness for greasy foods, which I can detect beneath the veneer, and a basic day cream to start her off on her day. Of course, an affirming voice like mine could quite easily convince her to buy the whole store, but am I really that cynical? Well... That is dependent on my mood at the moment and whether I can convince my own conscience that her money is better spent in my store on expensive but harmless cosmetics than elsewhere. What is your daily facial treatment routine? I ask these women. Some do close to nothing, occasionally putting a facial cream which they bought in some impulsive moment at the local supermarket. But on the other extreme are the women that follow a meticulous cosmetic routine according to each step of an online cosmetic blog. There are many variations of how to do it right. A lot of opinions and discussions. But the full-length treatment a woman can give to her face goes more or less like this. The day of the scrupulous woman begins with washing her face with a drop from her tube of basic facial cleansing gel and a turn of lukewarm water from the tap. Then she pats her face dry with a small towel and applies the day cream she has chosen very carefully. She might also use another product like a vitamin booster underneath the cream or a serum of some sort, depending on her age and the condition of her skin. 
After that step comes the morning eye treatment using an eye cream she will apply with the ring fingers, patting it softly on the external contours of her eyes. On top of all that, she never leaves the house without a sunscreen protection cream. All year round. Summer, autumn, winter and spring. All experts will tell you the same. The sun warms our hearts, but even on the most cloudy day, every small sunbeam is a danger to our youthful appearance. During the day, these women might find themselves in front of the mirror once again. If they have a tendency for oiliness or after sweating in the gym, they'll thoroughly clean their skin, or if their skin is of the dry type, then they'll apply their day cream again, as the layer they put on in the morning would have already dissolved. If they've been having a very busy day at work and have some important event in the evening, they might even put an instant stretching mask on their face and relax for 10 minutes while it works its magic on their facial expressions. When they finally surrender and close the day, ready to give in and go to bed, these kinds of women will keep up the efforts, isolating themselves in the bathroom for yet another session. Here they will remove their makeup with a milk cleanser, continue wiping their skin with cotton balls soaked with a toner, exfoliate once or twice a week, maybe more. Then a serum for the face, also applied on their neck, and then a different serum for the contour of their eyes. This is an everyday routine, not including their makeup habits, of course. But then, some also have a religious once a week mask routine. There's a mask for normal cleansing, and a mask for detoxing, a mask that opens up the pores, a mask that closes the pores, a mask for instant stretching, a mask for deep anti-aging treatment, a mask for nourishing, a mask for glowing, and a mask for the unification of the skin. But then, generally speaking, I would say most women I come across regularly use around three products for their face and keep a few other jars in their bathroom cupboard that they bought at some unremarkable occasion, but then never used more than once, or maybe never even opened. I listen to my client's answer with close attention and note to myself what products of mine she would really benefit from. But also, if I see that she is a big digger for these things, the strategy would not be about necessity, but about feeding my customers hunger for facial cosmetic solutions. My interrogation does not only regard the sorts of products she uses, I also inquire about the brands she prefers buying. By now... I know the unspoken agenda that each brand name implies. There are names that resonate prestige, other names are about sophistication. Some indicate that the woman using them is into the natural bio-ecological trend, and some can tell me that the woman in front of me takes pride in being economic and functional. The brand names that are mentioned now have a tremendous effect on the sales pitch that I will follow with. In my mind, there is now a somewhat clear vision of a portrait of the face in front of me. As I scheme up my according sales strategy, I fetch my tools and testers from the cupboard in the back of the store. This audiobook was created with the support of Level 5, an artist-run cooperative studio based in the city of Brussels.